Gratitude That's my everyday Have you ever looked up at the stars and just wondered what it all means? Asking yourself, how do we get here and where are we going? When I look out in the world, I see so many people getting lost in their stories, rarely thinking about or asking the bigger, unanswerable questions of the universe. Like, what's the purpose of life? How did we come to be? And what happens when we die? Well, this is pretty much all I think about. And so I decided to start asking others as well. Welcome to Quantum Coffee. So compassion and forgiveness, I believe, are the frequencies that we are really designed to expand our consciousness into and around because those frequencies are so amazingly powerful that we have no idea the utopia that we will create when we can actually experience non-judgment for each other and compassion for each other and really help each other from the standpoint of knowing that if I help you, I'm helping myself. And if I help myself, I'm helping you. And then anything that I do to take responsibility for my own healing contributes to the healing of humanity. That was a amazing, beautiful, light working soul named Lily Winsaft. And I met Lily um, a year or two ago through a friend. And um, she's an intuitive, she's very connected to spiritual realms. And she's a fascinating human who's really showing up and trying to make a positive impact in this world. Um, She has a couple different companies. She'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, But she's an entrepreneur and she's just amazing human. And she's really connected. And our conversation about her path and the journey of the collective and where the world's headed and, and our role in it and our opportunity to show up and make a positive impact is really inspiring to me. And it feels really good to have allies on this journey like her. I hope you enjoy this conversation just as much as I enjoyed having it. All right. Hey, Lily, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. Nice to be here with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really excited about having you on this podcast. Um, you know, part of the the journey of this podcast is to discuss the unanswerable questions of the universe, the the spiritual connection and realms that gets lost a lot of the times in our everyday lives and our story. And really excited to have you on because you're way more connected than most. Um, I've worked with you for over, I think, over the last year. Um, occasionally, and you're just uh, really intuitive, really connected to these different ideas and energies and realms. Um, so just go ahead and introduce yourself and explain a little bit about your story, who you are, and what you do, and the work you do in the world. Okay. Wow. Well, I think that I I love that that feeling as you describe it of being connected because I really truly feel that that's what the experience that I have in my life is that I am very connected when I make decisions and when I take actions or make steps to move forward in something, whether it's a project or a relationship or 
a family matter or, or a decision involving a business, et cetera. Um, I come from the place of being connected and being connected to what, you know, it's like, what are we connected to? And there's a lot of areas for me that I feel are really important in terms of understanding the, the value of being connected. And for me, that connection comes with the, our inner truth, our inner guidance, and the connection with our I am presence. And that connection happens in the heart. So I've been a student of uh, heart intelligence, and there's an organization called HeartMath, which I absolutely love. Nobody, So many people have never heard of it, but um, I mean, they've been around for a couple of decades, and they're starting to be more popular. But I have evolved with the concepts of truly understanding the value of the information that comes from a connection with our heart, a connection with the I am presence, which is located in the heart. The spark of the divine is, is connected through connected to us through our heart. And that is the center for the circulation and the information and the communication and the network of information that is coming in for us for in through our chakra system, et cetera. So when you do make decisions and take actions based on that connection, you're coming from a place of love and a place of freedom versus from a place of fear or from a place of resistance or from a place of even fear of loss. So many of us make decisions based on that. So, so I think that that's really important. And so my story really, of, of course, it's really huge because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite much older than you. I won't say how old I am, but I am much older than you. And I was raised in a home where my parents were teachers of metaphysics. And so I was raised in a home where we sat around the kitchen table after school and we were not asked, well, how did you do in school today? We were asked, did you clear any karma today? Did you have any astral experiences today? You know, did you have any recollections of a past life today? You know, so uh, I kind of grew up thinking that everybody knew this stuff, that everybody knew about reincarnation and about karma and about the astral plane and about the silver cord that connects you to your astral body and that everybody had out-of-body experiences. I just thought this was normal. <laughs> so it wasn't very long when I found out that I was really the weird kid at school. And so I decided to put all my gifts away because I, I, I have always been very intuitive and I've been a healer since I was a child and I could uh, speak to people telepathically and I did have many, many out-of-body experiences and I put all that away because I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be like all the other kids. Mm. So so a couple decades, three decades went by and married someone that had no idea what even a chakra was, much less was had any connection with anything spiritual. Um, you know, raised two kids, started a couple of businesses and and uh, uh, climbed the corporate ladder and was very much in this left brain world of practicality and, uh, you know, went from uh, being in finances to, to owning my own business, et cetera, working for Fortune 500 companies. And, and then one day, about 20 years ago, I arrived at work. And I had a huge corporate job. I had a team of like almost 80 people and about 15 people that reported directly to me. And I arrived at my office in the big, uh, you know, high rise building in downtown Atlanta. And I was crying. I mean, I was crying, Joe, the tears. My makeup was all over my face. And I realized in that moment, that I just couldn't, I couldn't do it again. I couldn't do it another moment. I couldn't be in this 
shark infested world of corporate America where people didn't really matter. Uh, what, what mattered was the, the almighty profit. And I just couldn't do it another moment. Even now, as I bring that moment into existence, as I share it with you, I'm experiencing nausea in my, <laughs> in my solar plexus and in my stomach from it. Um, so there must be something else there for me to clear for sure, because um, Always, right? <laughs> I'm experiencing like a storm right now inside of me, mm. just that whole world. And I made a vow in that moment to, to leave corporate America and to get out on my own and eventually came out of the closet as a, um, somebody that is very spiritual, but not spiritual from the standpoint of, and there's not a lot of people that say they're spiritual, but one thing I've been noticing with a lot of people lately is a level of spiritual arrogance. Like they think they're better than you because they, you know, they have whatever level of spiritual evolution or however they see it. So, so it's more about, it's more about knowing in your heart that why you're here is because you volunteered to come here to plant seeds and to help humanity in some shape or form to move out of what causes pain and suffering into what causes joy and clarity and Mm -hmm. healing. So that connection, that's what I call really being in a spiritual place. And that's, those are the doors that began opening to me left and right. And, and I left corporate America and I've I've been on this beautiful journey of teaching and, and uh, bringing healing to the world. And it's, and it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely amazing. So that's that's my story in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah, I know there's a lot, lot in there and I appreciate you sharing and coming on. Um, that leads me to the, to the, really the first question, which I think about all the time is like, what really is the point of it all? Right? Like you're really connected. You're coming back full circle into this, this spiritual, these gifts that you have and this journey that you're on and really finding your purpose to, to help bringing healing to the world. But like on a wider lens, what's, and this is, you know, sometimes like I show up and I'm in awe of the experience, like, oh my goodness, like we get to experience this. And then sometimes I'm like, well, what's really the point? Is it to have the experience of this beauty? Is it to learn and, and grow and learn the lessons? But then even if it is to learn and grow, like for what point and what end for that as well? So like, what's your idea of, of the whole purpose of this whole experience that we have the opportunity and the gift to live? When I, when I was younger, I used to think that there was only one purpose to life and finding my purpose to, for my life became the number one priority for me. And I spent many, many years, literally year, I probably like two decades reading every self-help book written that was, you know, a top seller or whatever, um, reading books and going to seminars, spent thousands of dollars going to seminars, trying to find myself and trying to discover what my purpose is. Cause I felt if I don't figure out what my purpose is, I'm going to get old and die and I'll be on my deathbed and I'll be thinking, I never knew what my purpose was. How horrible. It was like really frightening. It was ter- terrifying to me to think that I would get old and die and not have never have known my purpose. So I spent so much time and so much money trying to find my purpose. And then one day something really, really, really extraordinary happened. I was uh, doing a meditation uh, uh, and all of a sudden, 
inquiring, okay, what is my purpose? Again, trying to figure that out. And then all of a sudden, I, a wave hit me. And it was a wave of a thought, a very frightening thought. And that frightening thought was, what if I don't have a purpose? What if I don't have a purpose? Because it occurred to me that I'd been looking for it for like three decades and I still hadn't found my purpose. Here I am in my 30s, you know, about to be 40, and I still don't know what my purpose is. And so in that moment, I, I realized, what if I don't have a purpose? Like, maybe that's why I can't find it. Maybe that's why I'm not knowing it. Maybe that's why I'm not discovering the purpose to my life or the purpose to all of this. Like, as you say, you know, what's it all for? And uh, so in that moment, two things happened. The first thing that happened was that I, I, that really scared me. Like a life without a purpose, that really scared me. But then immediately after that, I felt this huge relief. It was like this huge relief. Because in that moment, I got free of having to find a purpose for myself. I became free in that moment. Oh, it's, if it's possible that I don't have a purpose, then why should I even look for it anymore? Why should I even try? Why should I spend another $2,000 on another seminar? Or why should I read another stupid book on finding my purpose and discovering who I am when maybe I don't have a purpose? So maybe this is freedom. And the relief that I felt, I felt like buildings were lifted off my shoulder. And then five minutes later, after feeling all this freedom, I had a thought and that thought was, wow, well, if I don't have a purpose, what does that mean? Okay, let's see. What it means is if there's not a purpose for me to discover, that actually gives me the freedom to make one up. Wow. And so I made up a purpose for my life. And out of that purpose that I made up, I created a business. And that business is still alive today and doing really well. And I have since then in the process have reinvented myself and built other businesses and projects and done all kinds of things from that purpose that I, that I created. And so I really truly believe that, that there is not one single purpose that, that governs our life. I think every experience and every incarnation is unique in its own way. And sometimes our I am presence, that spark of the divine, puts us through experiences just for the experience. Kind of like when you go on a roller coaster, you don't go on a roller coaster thinking, I wonder what teaching I'm going to get. What's the lesson for riding a roller coaster? No, there's no lesson. It's just an experience. But sometimes there is teachings. And so every, every experience has its own purpose and has its own teaching. And sometimes it is just for the experience. So I don't know if that answers your question, except that the last thing I'll say is that overall, big, big picture, I believe that we're here ultimately to learn how to create or to really have to remember how to create and manifest over and over and over again, the experience of joy, bliss, and freedom. Well you know? done. It really is. I mean, it's, it's like when you, it is total freedom when you finally come to the realization that you are a piece of creation here to create, and you do have the freedom to create meaning out of it all. And I, yeah. you know, I think that's what people, I, I know and it's, it's fascinating, even my own experience, like how much 
that ebbs and flows. Like some days I'll wake up, I'll feel connected. I'm like, Oh, like I'm just so in the experience. I'm feeling so connected. Like it's all good. And then some days I'll wake up like, what's the point? Or like, why am I here? And it really is coming back to this idea that you can create the meaning. We're having the opportunity and the gift to have an experience and just connecting with that is really important. And yeah, thanks for sharing. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Well, t- talk a little bit more about your business and what you do. Give yourself a little little shout out. <laughs> well, the business that I was talking about is a recruiting firm. We specialize in uh, placing executives at advertising agencies. So it's very corporate, uh, Madison Avenue kind of firm. My son runs it now. Uh, so in that world, huh? A little yeah. bit. Talk about that, like how how we got so lost as a, I mean, are we even lost, but like, how come there is this such polarity in this experience and how can we get so caught up in the stories that we create, especially collective stories on what like success is, what fulfillment is. And we all tend to get lost in that. And then, you know, waking up from that and then still being able to play the game and finding that balance. Talk a little bit about that. Everything that we move through in our life has a value and has a significance to it. And there's no experience that we ever have in our life without having been agreed to by our I am presence, by our higher self. So before we plan out our lifetime, and we don't do it alone, we have the angelic realm and the ascended masters that help us. There's so many beings of light that that take a step back and help us to plan, plan these things out. And so depending on ultimately what we want to accomplish from a spiritual perspective in a a given lifetime, we do a plan and we say, okay, let's say that we want to, we want to learn and we want to experience compassion for the world. Well, one place to really experience in in order to experience compassion for the world, there's got to be something to be compassionate about Mm. in order to experience forgiveness, both which are very, very high frequencies they're in the love spectrum. Um, there's got to be something to forgive. So we go into uh, partnerships with in business with people that betray us or people that end up stealing from us or people that end up lying to us. We move into marriages with people that betray us, that, <laughs> that lie to us, etc. Because those experiences give us something to forgive, mm-hmm. gives us something to be compassionate about. In the corporate world, um, you know, I spent so many years trying to prove to myself that I was good enough. I'm an immigrant. I was born in Colombia, South America, and came to the United States when I was five years old. And I was made fun of. I was even, you know, kids used to spit on me when because I couldn't speak English. And so I, I received the brunt of prejudice and, uh, you know, ethnic. Uh, I don't know how you, how you even call it the separation that is experienced when you're in an ethnicity that is different from the majority. Mm-hmm. And so I, I learned to hide. I learned to hide that I was a Latina. I learned to hide that, you know, that I spoke Spanish, that I was bilingual. I learned to hide my gifts. I learned to hide so many things because I didn't want to be seen as different or unique. I wanted to be like everyone else because I didn't want to be at the brunt of uh, a bully, basically, you know, and 
that's one of the things that I see is so common in, in the corporate world. And, but I'm seeing it in the spiritual world too, Joe. Spiritual bullying exists. In fact, I just recently had an experience where I was bullied in the, a spiritual community that I'm in, involved in or was involved in. Where does, so, that, does that come from like the, the ego attaching to like a spiritual experience, right? And it's like the ego making itself feel like it is the higher self. Is that kind of what's happening there? It's, it, no, it's actually from the ego wanting to survive. Okay. The ego, one of the characteristics of ego is competition and competitiveness and winning. That's one of the characteristics of the ego mind. We have to win. and so. If you look at corporate America, part of the whole journey of corporations is winning. That is, and that's part of the me mentality, me, 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 the individuality, individuality, and how we compete. Everything in our world is oriented towards competition and winning. So there's a huge component about that that is pervasive within our society, culturally. And so as a result, um, we grow up thinking that unless we are winning, there must be something wrong with us. And this, I believe, is what inspires me to help people to understand that, that we are one. We are, you know, your, your gain is my gain. My healing is your healing. We are one. And so my dream really is to go back to corporate America and I'm pretty, I'm almost ready to do that, to go back to corporate America and teach from a place of oneness and unity. And not that there's anything wrong with winning. There's nothing wrong with winning, but when winning becomes the primordial thing for survival, that's, that becomes painful then because then we begin to isolate each other and separate from each other. And we begin to judge you're better than me. I'm better than you. And when that starts to happen, ultimately it gets inside the energetic field and it, and it, and it impacts our physical body and impacts our well-being and impacts our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health. And so, and it all, you know, like all the stress that is felt by people climbing the corporate ladder, it ultimately reflects in heart disease and in cancer and in arthritis and in all the autoimmune diseases so for me, I like to look at how, we are, how we're doing as a humanity, how we're doing as a humanity spiritually and from an evolutionary standpoint is reflected in how we're doing physically in our health. And we're not doing so good physically in our health. I mean, we're having to have a huge virus tell us basically how messed up we are, okay? Uh, because we don't listen. We don't listen to our higher self and we don't listen to that inner voice that says, we are all made from the same cloth and we all come from the one to love and we are all connected as one. How do you, how do you teach people that, right? Because especially in corporate America where people are so narrow-minded and, and I love how you explained the, the energy because I think there's this huge shift happening globally. Um, and I know you know this and you see it and you're a piece of the change. Um, you know, it's this scarcity mindset versus this abundance mindset. It's this individuality versus this expansive energy. And when we can connect to the expansive energy, we can exponentially create a better world for everyone. But how like practically like feet on the ground, like how do you go about, you know, showing people, helping people? Cause I, I feel called to help as well. I feel called for this big, you know, journey to 
help people connect to this more expansive, loving, connected energy. And I feel like there's a huge shift happening globally, but how do we do that practically when we're working either one-on-one or with a group or with like businessmen? You do it gradually and with baby steps and by leading by example, you know, you live a life that demonstrates that you put your well-being physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually first, and you take care of yourself and you honor yourself and you nurture yourself and you breathe and you speak of love and you take actions from love and you catch yourself when you're judging and you catch yourself when you're criticizing and you catch yourself when you're separating yourself and you catch yourself when you're got competition energy all around you. And then you wake up, you just keep waking up every day. I think the journey is individual more than anything, Joe. Mm. It really is. It's, it, it has to be individual because it can only happen at the level of individual. And if everyone was causing a healing for themselves individually and just took responsibility for themselves, our world would shift really, really fast. But we don't really do that because we're always blaming someone else for our problems. We never, for the majority of people, we don't take responsibility for what, whatever is going on. If, if our bank account is in lack, we try to blame society. We try to blame the financial systems. We try to blame politics. We try to blame our boss. I mean, if our health is not in good shape, we try to blame whatever, the way that our parents raised us, the way that food is not accessible, the way that we don't know what we're doing. I mean, there's always someone to blame. And so it has to take place at the individual level. But there are things that we can do. And one of the things that I think is the absolutely most imperatively, imperatively fastest, most transformational, most accelerated way to level, to bring the level of your frequency into these states of oneness, into these states of comprehension, into these states of knowing who I am, into these states of healing, into these states of forgiveness and compassion, into these states of knowing that I am one with all, into these states of knowing that I am the abundance that I've been looking for. The fastest way to do that is through breath work. And so it's one of the modalities that I'm, I'm really in love with. And I've got a retreat coming up soon. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. It was supposed to happen in May, but of course with COVID, um, we had to put it off, but we're about to launch. Um, this will be the second annual event that we do. And I'm so excited because we're literally changing lives through teaching people how to breathe. The reason why that's so important is because the breath is what carries the life force into our bodies. And not just into our physical body, but it carries life force into our emotional, mental, and spiritual bodies. And so when we learn how to breathe properly, we bring in the life force, we bring in light, and we raise the frequency of the energetic field of all the bodies and all the glands, organ systems. And then we're able to transmute the low frequencies and move into higher realms. And so this is the one thing that I think from a group perspective will be very beneficial. And my... my plan is to bring breath work into corporations just as some corporations are welcoming yoga instruction and meditation into their environments. And there is definitely um, 
an, a movement to move to go towards a more spiritual connection within corporations. And I think that's so beautiful. And I and I I know that the breath is gonna make is gonna have a huge role in that. Yeah, I love that. It's it's almost like we're starting to realize that this masculine energy of do, 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 go, 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 accomplish um, at the cost of others is not the most efficient and productive way to not only live, but to actually, you know, grow and expand as well. And so finding this balance within ourselves and questioning the stories about we tell within ourselves will create more productivity. Um, You're talking about, you know, frequencies and elevating our energy level. Um, Talk about that and, you know, how our thoughts are energy, we are energy, and how raising our frequency and how to do that, like you just said with breath work, but what's the importance of that? And what does that even mean to somebody that's not really understanding what you're talking about with frequency? Can you kind of like lame in terms it a little bit? Sure. So everything is energy and energy has different levels of density to it. So the more dense the energy is, the more material it is, the more you can feel it, touch it. And the less dense the energy is, the more you can't see it, you know? So Um, so ice becomes liquid becomes gas. Those are like levels of density of, of matter, matter and energy. So everything is matter and everything is energy. It's either really dense energy or really undense matter. And it's, it's all the same thing. It's just matter grades of it. And it's all about how closely the molecules are, um, because everything is made up of molecules. And so if we look at the spectrum of, let's just use emotions as an example. Emotions have a frequency to them. Thoughts have frequencies too. That's why in the, in the air, in the, in the space around us, the molecules of thoughts and emotions travel. That's why when someone walks into a room, you can sense how they're feeling. You, even if you were blind and didn't see them, you could sense someone's energy as they walk into the room and you can have a, an intuitive gut feeling about if they're feeling low energy or if they're feeling high energy. It's because it's, it's palpable. Energy is palpable. And so freak, uh, emotions such as fear and resistance and jealousy and possessiveness and uh, the resistance that uh, a lot of kinds of emotions feel when we don't want to do something, we don't accept it, we, don't, we reject it, et cetera. Those kinds of emotions have a dense, low frequency to them. They're very down to... The, uh, a lower level, their molecules are closer together. Whereas frequencies of emotions like love and acceptance and forgiveness are much more, they're lighter, they're floaty. They don't, they don't constrict. They're more like expansive and openness. And that's just like the feeling of it. So there's a, there's a, there's a physical process called entrainment, which is, when a low frequency such as fear, such as resistance, such as repression is subjected in proximity to a high frequency such as love, that higher frequency tends to absorb it. It's a physical property. It's a quantum physics property. It'll entrain it, it pulls it up. So that low frequency actually gets lifted up and integrated into the higher frequency. And that's what happens when we bring love and forgiveness and compassion into our life, it helps us to 
transmute the lower frequencies of fear. Now, why is that important? I mean, do you want to live a life of fear? Or do you want to live a life of love? You know, I mean, basically fear leads to pain, leads to inflammation. Um, we are living in a world where even doctors don't know the epidemic that's going on with autoimmune disease, which is all about inflammation in the tissues, bones, muscles. Um, you know, they basically say your immune system turns on you. You know what? That's not how I see it. When I look at the energy of somebody with an autoimmune disease, what I'm seeing is someone that is ultra sensitive and is having information come through to them in their body. But because they don't realize that this information, they are looking at it from a fearful, painful standpoint, and it's causing pain in their body. So one of the best antidotes for someone that does have autoimmune disease is to bring love, forgiveness, and compassion into their life and then train those low frequencies that are causing inflammation. And I love that. That's like the bridge, right? That's the bridge between this physicality and the spirituality and how the, the actual energy, and they can track this with science, right? The, they can actually track the energy of different emotions and how they show yeah. up in your physical body. And then you talked yeah. about earlier how we're really you know, sick in a lot of these diseases. So when we are in these denser, lower vibrational states for extended periods of time, like it's one thing connecting with fear in like a situation where you need it or it's very acute and it, it comes and it passes. But when we're in these sustained vibrational frequencies of fear, that's when the disease manifests in our physical bodies, right? And that's yeah. why a lot of these autoimmune diseases, we don't understand them really in cancers and we don't, we're, we're not really getting anywhere with all the research because it's not just a physical thing, right? Yes, yes, yes. And because our, our bodies are all connected, the physical, the, the emotional, mental, and spiritual bodies are all connected through electrical fields. When there's trauma in one of those areas, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual, it's going to cause a break in the information that the intelligence, let's say, that needs to move through the, the different bodies in order for optimal performance. Um, our bodies are like computers. We we have to have optimal lines of communication, and you know the motherboard has to be in tip-top shape. You can't have breaks in the the lines of communication and and the way that the bodies are communicating with each other, but trauma causes those breaks. And so when trauma causes those breaks, that's when you start having breakdown and disease begins to occur within the different bodies. And I mean, we're, we're living in a society right now where, I mean, the physical conditions are just the beginning. There's so many emotional conditions and mental conditions, anxiety, depression, um, you know, bipolar, you know, I mean, the list goes on of all the things that, that we are uh, moving through right now as a humanity. And so there's a lot to heal here and all of it can be healed through raising your frequency, bringing up those lower emotions that are, that cause disease because the lower frequency emotions, the lower frequency thought constructs, the lower frequency belief systems, they are erratic and chaotic but the higher frequencies are organized and, and graceful and easeful and effortless. And that's how they feel. Yeah, I love that. You talked about the, the I am presence, the, the innate intelligence in the body, the, the, the voice inside you know, your heart that guides you. you know, what, what does all of this mean like, as far as, as, as the concept of God? 
right? And I grew up in a religious belief system, Christianity, where I was told that God was this man in the sky and we were separate from him. Um, and he created this experience and it's really a lot of questions growing up, which actually led me on this path to seeking my own truth. But talk about your experience because you, you're obviously really connected, this energy, this frequency, this I am presence, this heart coherence, like this intelligence in our body. What does it all mean as far as this you know, connection to a higher power or a higher intelligence? And what's your belief around you know, even the word or concept of God? So the, the first thing that I, I, I want to say in answering your question is that I, I really try to avoid and not even, tr- and again, try is not even a good word to use. I avoid believing anything. Mm. To me, believing is not knowing. And I'd rather say I don't know than I believe. And so I'm always seeking the truth from the standpoint of my own knowing because when you know, you know. And yes, are there things we don't know? Of course, there's things we don't know. And what we try to do as a human species is that we create belief systems around the stuff that we don't know. And that, when you first started, you, you talked about unanswerable questions. It's the unanswerable questions that catapult us into creating belief systems. That's where religion comes from. And that's where so many other systems of belief come from is in us trying to figure out what is unanswerable. And so for me, I like to be okay with what I don't know the answers to. I'm not trying to make stuff up about things and I don't like believing stuff. Now, the word believe is in our society and we say it all the time. And I hear myself saying it often too. I believe this or I believe that. But in truth, I don't believe too many things at all. I either know or I don't know. And I'm not, I don't have a problem saying that I don't know something. So the unanswerable question, and it is an unanswerable question about God. First of all, God is not some dude up in the sky sitting there judging us and, and is going to come down and punish us on judgment day. And those of us that have been sinners are going to go to hell and you know, all of that stuff. That's just such bullshit. Mm. But religion has its place in our world because religion helps many people to basically keep order. If I believe that I'm going to go to some hell place, if I'm a sinner, then And if I really do believe that, then I'm going to try not to be a sinner. So there's going to be some order in society through that. The I am presence to me is the spark of the divine. And so the divine is what I would call God. It's not a person. It's not even a spirit. It's not an entity. God to me, if we're going to use uniform language, would be the omnipresence of life in the universe or in the multiverse. And there has to be some kind of omnipresent intelligence where life sprung from. And that's an unanswerable question because I don't know, you know, the bang, the big bang theory and all that. I can't can't even wrap my head around that, but I'm not going to make up some story that there's a supreme, you know, uh, 
being out there somewhere that manages and controls everything. I just, that makes no sense to me. What does make sense to me and what I feel it as a knowing in my own heart is that there has to be some kind of omnipresent intelligence from which life sprung. Life sprung out of somewhere. Or maybe life always existed. So if life always did exist, that's God. Then life, then God is life. Mm. Maybe life didn't always exist. But at some point it began to exist and it came from somewhere. That somewhere, that omnipresent, it had to be intelligent because it had to be intelligent because everything in the context of life is intelligence. Mm. It's an organizing intelligence. That's God. And there's so many different reminders all around us all the time, like in nature, in the yeah. way we like yeah. meet people, the synchronicities that happen. Yeah. Why, then, why do people get so attached to these beliefs? Like, like they, and that's, I feel like for me, it's the really sad part of, you know, collectively and globally for millennia, a lot of the conflict has come from these creating belief systems around these unanswerable questions and getting so attached to them. And it's almost as if like, I can't believe you're right because if you're right, then that means I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand how people can't widen their lens of perspective. Right. And like really just, it doesn't take a lot of thought to think, well, we came from somewhere and I have no idea what that is. There's people that come up with different ideas to make sense of it, but there's no, there's so many different stories out there, but that's all they are, are stories why do people get so attached and how can, you know, I truly believe that if we, you know, practice on attachment to these stories, but why are they so attached and why can't they open their mind a little bit to the possibility? I think that there's a lot of aspects to our experience as an expression of the divine which is what the I am presence is a spark of the divine and an aspect of the divine, an ember of the divine that then is expressed in a physical realm, in a mental world realm in an emotional realm and in a spiritual realm. And in that journey, the, the expansion of consciousness is what that omnipresent intelligence is. Let's say there's because there's really no words, but let's say that God, that omnipresence intelligence, seeks to expand its consciousness. And in order to expand its consciousness, it sends out light and expression into all these dimensions that exist in the multiverse, the physical and mental, the emotional. And there's so many that we don't even know, right? Mm-hmm. And as we go through those, that journey, we take form. So this divine aspect of who we are takes the form of a physical body. Along with the physical body comes a brain and a mind and an ego. And that's one of the designs of this species anyway, because I'm certain there are species on other ga- in other galaxies and other planets that don't have an ego. Hmm. In this species, we have an ego mind. And in that ego mind, we're moving through the altering of consciousness and expansion of consciousness by becoming aware of oneness through the knowing of separation. That's the duality of this dimension. 
I'm sure there's dimensions where there is no duality, but in this dimension, there's duality. And so in our duality, in the experience of our duality, we have to know right and wrong and good and bad and, and, and up and down and left and right. We have to, that's part of our, that's part of the journey to get to that place of oneness is to experience separation in its fullness. And if I'm going to experience separation in its fullness, I have to compete with you. I have to. Or else there would be no experience, right? There would be no experience of separation if I'm not competing with you. Hmm. If I'm one with you, I'm not going to compete with you. And that's just one example, right? But that explains why, you know, religions have killed people in the name of God. We have to experience duality in all its nature. It's part of our journey and it's part of, it's part of the agreement that we made. And inside of that, we, be, we blossom and our consciousness expands through millennia because it takes mm. thousands of years for us to wake up. It takes yeah. thousands of years for us to become just a little bit more conscious. So talk about the future and like this kind of phase you know, we're on this exponential graph of growth from a human technological standpoint. And I think spiritually too, there's this, this awakening happening, at least it feels like that to me. And I think a piece of that is the access to information and connection that the internet provides, which is allowing us to really open our minds rather than just being listening to what we're told, right? and doing our own research and finding our own truth. Um, so talk about, you know, maybe the next couple decades, what you kind of envision happening and then onto the future. Is there like, like is the journey to become this awakened species spirit in form or is it kind of this journey is always going to be like this and we're always here to learn our lessons or is there like a collective journey for the species as well? Yes. Yes. <laughs> all of that. All, all of the above. Oh, I love now, it. We're, I mean, we're we're on a collective journey for sure. And we're we're experiencing the collective journey individually. And like the next step of evolution, right? Yeah, the, the next step of evolution for mankind. <laughs> I feel like a commercial. <laughs> I'm one of those insurance uh, mutual of Omaha thing from. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the the next step in our evolution as a humanity is to have and be a compassionate species, not just between each other, but for animals and for plants and to be able to bring compassion to the world of the mentally ill and the world of the emotionally challenged and the world of the physically incapacitated. Um, so compassion and forgiveness, I believe, are the frequencies that we are really designed to expand our consciousness into and around because those frequencies are so amazingly powerful that we have no idea the utopia that we will create when we can actually experience non-judgment for each other and compassion for each other and really help each other from the standpoint of knowing that if I help you, I'm helping myself. And if I help myself, I'm helping you. And that anything that I do to take responsibility for my own healing contributes to the healing of humanity. And there's so much healing to do because you know what we've, just in the last 2,000 years alone, there has been 
I don't think there's been a time that there wasn't a war going on somewhere in the world. People dying, people, the violence, the hatred, all of that is just so huge, right? So, and we've made progress in a lot of places. And, but every time there is, there are tragedies, we come closer together because that's what our souls really want. Our souls want us to experience oneness and to experience light. So I think over the next 10 to 20 years, companies are going to blossom more in, in being compassionate for humanity, compassionate about our environment, compassionate about really partnering with Gaia, Mother Earth, to help this planet heal. We're, we're all in this together and we're having an agreement. We have a huge agreement with Gaia to help her heal. And yes, ultimately, this is about enlightenment. And what is enlightenment? Enlightenment is just about the expansion of our consciousness and being more and more in our own knowing and clearing the suffering and the pain, AKA karma. Suffering mm -hmm. and pain is always synonymous with karma. I don't view it that way, but for many people, that's how they view karma. And so as we release karma, as we release suffering, as we release pain and step more into the light and expand our consciousness, we're just going to experience more love and more joy, more fun, you know, and, and who doesn't want that? <laughs> and that's, that's how we manifest these prophesized journeys of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's working towards that, finding and connecting to these higher vibrational frequencies as a collective. And then we can really, I mean, I don't even know what a world like that would look like, but it's just totally blissful, loving, and just what an experience, hopefully for future generations. Yeah. Um, so my last question that I like to talk about, because it seems like a very taboo thing in our culture and our society. And I think, uh, you know, like we talked about people attaching to beliefs in these conflicts. And I think, uh, a, you know, very root cause of all of this is this fear of death and fear of what happens when you die and this not knowing and this mm -hmm. it's a, that's where really trust and faith come in because it's like you know this transition out of these physical bodies and is it into nothingness is it into a different spiritual realm is it a different dimension does an essence of who we are move on so talk a little bit about that and how thinking about death on a more regular basis can actually create a more fulfilling and present life in the now? Hmm. Well, death is a problem if you think you're your physical body. If you think that the truth of who you are is this body, then death is a problem. Because when your body is done, you're done. <laughs> so, mm. but that's really the only time the death becomes a problem. When you're attached to the idea that you are the physical body, because yeah. then you are dying with the body, right? Or that yeah. piece of you that believes that is going to die. Right, exactly. So, but if you are, if you really go inside and you ask from the standpoint of, like what makes sense, what is your own experiences, you have to know that you are not your physical body because you know you're not your physical body alone because you think 
Therefore, you must, there must, what's the part of you that thinks? It's your mind. Well, your mind is housed in your brain, but it's separate. And there's a part of you that feels love. And that feels separate from the body. I mean, I could be sleeping and I'm still loving. So if you if you go through a train of thought logically, you will conclude that you are not your physical body. Because there's an aspect of you that talks about your physical body, that observes your physical body, that sees your physical body. So, and if you've had the experience of a loved one dying, you recognize that they're not totally gone. You still experience them. And you also have the experience that when you're far from someone that you love, you can still feel them in your heart and you can still remember what they look like and you can still feel their spirit and you can still feel their emotions and you can still feel their presence. So there must be something other than their body. When you get to that, to really understanding that, then, then you, you begin to know that when you die, it's, a, it's just a transformation of the body and that something else is left. That's something else that runs your body, that makes your body operate, that gives life to your body. That something else moves on and goes on. And so then the question becomes, okay, so then what happens? What happens when my body does die? What is that aspect of me? What does that body do? So I've had a lot of uh, experiences. I've had a lot of -of out-of-body experiences, and I've had a lot of surreal kinds of uh, touching on the afterlife. And I've also channel and communicate with people that have died and they show up and they come into my presence and they give me messages for my clients. And so I, I am in sort of speak in constant communication with people that are not in bodies. Okay. So for me, it's, again, it's not, did I, do I believe that life after death exists? No, I don't believe that life after death exists. I know that it does. I absolutely with 100% know that there's life after death. Why? Because I'm talking to a lot of people that are dead. <laughs> so where are so, they? What are they doing? What's the, what is it like? So like they're, they're in different planes, mostly in the astral plane, because once the, uh, once the spirit or soul moves from the astral plane, you, you really don't have much access to them. So they pretty much have to be very close to the earth or to the physical plane. And the closest dimension after the physical plane is the astral plane, which is the emotional plane. It's where the emotional body functions. So we have a lot of experiences in the astral plane, even when we are in physical bodies. And that's why um, that's where the, the, the concept of out-of-body experience comes from is because you, you can have an experience in a conscious experience of the astral world when you're in a physical body and you can remember it. Most of us don't. Most of those experiences happen when we're sleeping. And sometimes they show up as dreams, but sometimes they actually show up as astral experiences. But that's the dimension or the realm, let's say, where most people, when they die, they move into the astral realm and they go through a process very similar to their life on earth, which is a physical experience. We have lessons that we learn, teachings, experiences that we learn that can only be learned in a physical body. So there are experiences and teachings that we can only have in our astral body and then in the mental world and then in the spiritual realm. So we move through these realms on our way through the expansion of consciousness until we've integrated all the teachings, all the lessons, and then we become prepared to have a second incarnation. 
the way that, uh, or another incarnation, how I've received information about it is that on average, it takes about 250 to 300 earth years, let's say, um, in between one lifetime and another on average. I mean, there's exceptions to that. And because that's the time that it takes us to move through all those dimensions and to gain all the experiences that our I am presence wants to gain in all those realms. What do you say about this concept of having um, multiple kind of lifetimes, uh, parallel lifetimes, or even having an, another experience in this same time frame, like earth time, maybe me over having an experience on the other side of the world as a different human, but simultaneously in parallel. What, what about that concept? Is that? Yeah, that absolutely can happen. And there are parallel uh, dimensions and there are, there are ways to have parallel lifetimes because the I am presence, which is the spark of the divine can express itself in numerous bodies at one time. So Sometimes we can have uh, we can have that kind of uh, knowing, and sometimes it occurs like a deja vu, or it occurs like oh I've been here before, and sometimes we can have a feeling of of someone else. So I, and I have I have that kind of experience all the time with my clients where we tap into parallel lives not as much, although that has happened a few times with clients that I've tapped into a parallel life. Usually it's, we're tapping into other lifetimes and memories from other lifetimes. And so it's really interesting because it's all connected through what I call uh, energetic genetics and and a trauma that you experience in one lifetime or in a parallel life can impact you in this lifetime. So many times we have conditions or um, situations that are happening in our life that we can't explain. And sometimes they can only be explained through what's going on in a parallel life or something that happened in another lifetime. So that's all really interesting. And there's, you know, so much studies going on in quantum physics about all of that. And I'm, I, I love the scientific part of all of it. So yeah. It's I really love that cool. you love it. I love that. I, I mean, that's one of my favorite things too, is, is connecting the science, science, the quantum reality, quantum mechanics into the spirituality and how they're, they used to be so divided and now they're coming to this point where they're really starting to support one another in like yeah. some pretty profound ways, which is really, really cool. Um, one more question about the, just cause I, I've, I wonder this, this concept of you, you die, something goes on. Is it like, is it the essence of you going back to source or oneness and then you come back in and it's just a completely different energetic signature or is there a essence or a soul like and something that is embodied that goes into the astral realms comes back and there's like this piece of personality almost that goes along with it or knowing or wisdom or is it completely separate i know that's my ego trying to like hang on and like survive how how it's been shown to me is that soul is the spiritual body just like this is the physical body. The astral is the emotional body. And we also have a mental, they're all vehicles. So imagine if you had uh, five cars in your garage, a convertible, an SUV, you know, a sedan and, you know, maybe a motorcycle. Or let's say you had four vehicles in your, in your garage. Each time you get into one of those vehicles, your experience is different. 
Um, you know, you use the SUV to go on camping trips or whatever. You use a convertible when you don't have to worry about the weather and you got the top down and you want your hair to fly out, you know. So each vehicle has its terrain and it has its purpose. It has its and how you act in it, how you behave in it, who you are in it. But you are not the vehicle. You are the driver of that vehicle. And whether you're in the convertible or in the SUV, it, you are clear that you are not that SUV and you are clear that you are not the convertible. Those are just vehicles that get you around and they accomplish a certain purpose. That's how the I am presence is. The I am presence has these vehicles in which it goes around having experiences in different dimensions and in different terrains. And sometimes it chooses to go into the convertible. <laughs> sometimes it chooses to go on the, the motorcycle or whatever it is. But the I am presence is clear that those vehicles are just that. They are vehicles. And the experiences that the I am presence has in each one of those vehicles serves its purpose and has and is a different experience. So the I am presence then is able to have many vehicles over many years and expresses itself. The I am presence has a connection with source, but the I am presence never fully separates from source. This is part of the whole thing of um, the separation is that there's an illusion that we are actually separate. It's like saying, when I get into my car, I am now not me. I am now separate from me just because I got in my car. No, you're it. It's a vehicle. Uh It's an illusion that we are separate just because we're in a physical body having an incarnation. No, it's not. We are not separate. And so the I am presence, which is the driver of all the vehicles, is connected with source, never left source. That that omnipresent intelligence always has been part of the all that is, never leaves it, never has left it, doesn't have to return except the following. This is how I see it, is that... If you get in that car and you go to the grocery store and you pick up a bunch of vegetables and you make now a pasta with all the tomatoes you got and you make this beautiful sauce. Well, when you go back home, it's like you know you are still you, but now you have stuff to make a sauce with. So that sauce becomes an additional aspect of who you are and it adds on to your consciousness. And so... Every time the I am presence has an experience in a lifetime, whether it's in the physical world and the astral world and the mental world, <laughs> the spiritual world, it is gaining more and more experience and growing its consciousness. But it never left. It mm-hmm. never became not itself. Wow, Lily, that's beautifully profound. And mm-hmm. I had never heard it put that way. And that is actually very makes a lot of sense with the idea because it is, it is kind of mind boggling to think about these different levels and different dimensions and in our linear thinking minds that we have, it's hard to really comprehend. Yeah. That was a great metaphor and story. So I appreciate it. Um, I have one last question for you. I appreciate it so much. I feel like I could talk to you for hours because you're so wise and you've done so much work. And oh, thank you. So last question I ask is, you know, if you were to be gone tomorrow into the, the spiritual realms, um, and you had one thing, one message to kind of share with humanity, what would that, what would you want people to know to, you know, live, you know, a better life? Like what's that one, one thing, that one lesson that they really can, can help them on their journey? Love with all your heart. 
I love it. That's all it is, is love, right? Yeah. Thank you so much, Lily. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I really can't wait for people to uh, to listen to your beautiful voice and your energy. And I think it's really going to have a profound impact on, on the people that listen yeah. to us. So thank you. Thank you, Joe, for having me. I love you so much, Joe. Have a beautiful day. And thank you again for inviting me to come on the show with you. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Gratitude for the sunrise. Gratitude for the sunshine. Gratitude for the moonlight. Every day feels like a new life. Especially when I meditate. Take a breath and then I elevate. Everything deserves gratitude. That's my everyday attitude. Gratitude. That's my everyday attitude.